Welcome to Flirting with the Fish. Here we bring to you the people who either do unusual things or do the most common things rather unusually. Either ways, it's the ones who truly enjoy what they do and no matter what the world says, they wouldn't change a thing about it. Why should you listen to this? Aren't you one of those two? And that's the reason you should be listening to all our episodes on Flirting with the Fish. My name is Sonia Surup Choksi and I love to bring more and more human stories to a larger audience that includes you too. How do you go about developing and honing your process so far and even further? It's definitely pretty feedback based. Mm-hmm. So every time I do something, I'll just document how I did it mm. and then ask someone. I'm like, "Hey, how does this sound to you?" Mm-hmm. And like, "Dude, it sounds great." And I'm like, "Okay, take that works." And document the whole process. This is what I did. And they're like, "Dude, it sounds kind of muddy." I'm like, "Okay, don't do that again. See what I can do to make it sound more like this." But everybody's feedback cannot be important. Mm-hmm. Not really, but then you can kind of build out the average from that. Mm. If you've got one person saying that mu- the music is great, mm. but then you've got six other people saying your mixes need work. I'd listen to those six. But if I got And how do you choose these seven people to take it to or 10 people? Just people in my life. Okay. Sometimes it's family, sometimes mm. it's friends, sometimes it's friends of friends that I just met. So mm. I'm like, "Okay, you don't know me yet. Man, I'm a composer, producer and multi-instrumentalist from New Delhi. Here is my upcoming song. Tell me what you think." Okay. So I try to get as many unbiased perspectives on it as I can. Doesn't bother you? Doesn't. Oh, what, what, who are these people I don't know what's their understanding of music and what's the worst that could happen hmm. they tell me something I already know hmm. what's the best that could happen they tell me something I don't know sure what do I have to lose from it next to nothing it doesn't stay on your mind I mean if they say something that I need to change then I obviously need to change it right because hmm. if that's something that makes someone feel like my music could go somewhere else hmm I might as well change that thing and if lots of people feel that way I mm. might as well incorporate that change into my process. Have you ever had a difficulty a challenge uh taking in a feedback? At times, yeah. But where it's been it's been pretty vague feedback like sound more like this person and I'm like okay, well, within my sound is this good? They're like mm. how but I want you to sound more like this person. and that's not helpful advice then i just move on to the next person right and so so what were you saying about taking the feedback to different people i mean share some example of when you so, took it yeah again with elysium hmm. i had shared the song pre-release with about i want to say 20 30 people hmm. and gathered various people's perspectives on it not in the form of a survey of it or anything just like right. every time i met someone new I, w- I would be like, "Hey, here's the song. Tell mm. me how you feel about it." Mm. Then I'd note down people's favorite and least favorite things about it, mm. enhance the favorite ones, and try to mask the least favorite ones mm. as an average overall. Everybody liked different stuff. Everybody disliked different stuff. Right. But then there's that some stuff that somehow everybody ended up liking, and then mm. there's the little things that I thought were pretty cool, but that everybody was like, "Nah, you could do better." Mm. So those things it helps me change that it helps me get over my own biases for my music. But what's amazing is that you're able to take that feedback professionally um for the lack of a better word but but 
but for the advantage of the music that you're trying to create. I mean, yeah. very judicially. It's judiciously. not always been like that. Hmm. There, there's definitely been times in my life, quite recent times in my life, where I've realized I have the problem of being aggressively defensive. Hmm. But I feel like that's just something that I came up with over the years with the people that I was around growing up. Mm-hmm. I'm working against that. That aggressively defensive side of me is the one that does go, oh, you don't like what I'm making, you can leave my studio, things like that. Mm. But I feel that, like... That's also been a part of who you are. That's been a part of who I have mm. been over the years. Mm. I don't want to be that way anymore. While I still want to stand my ground and be like, hey, this is what I think should go. Mm. And if you want to change that, give me a really good reason. Mm. Now it's not a get out of here mm. anymore. You just don't want to talk like that or yeah. approach a communication like that that too uh, i i feel like when i get aggressively defensive mm. people stop listening mm. and they're like okay you're going to be defensive then i'm going to attack you mm. there's something to be defensive against and then it just devolves into an argument and you don't like that. i don't like that i've had way too much of that growing up and it's not worth it were you sort of okay with it back then no i just didn't notice it back then you didn't notice it because mm. growing up, I was like, oh, this is the way people interact. Mm. DPS, that's the way people interact. Mm. Some guy says something and then other people are trying not to care. And then one person from the crowd goes, Sahita, and then everything just becomes about defending it in the most aggressive way possible. Just that's surviving. Just survival. Mm. But we don't need that anymore. We're yeah. not hunter-gatherers. Yeah. We're not... Yeah. We're not doing anything that could mean life or death for us. So sure. why switch over to survival tactics when you don't really need to? When you could just listen and get over it if it doesn't work for you. Mm. So is that really so? Like in India, even though you come from like a nuclear family and you had like probably like a non-interfering uh, growing up, is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, So even if you've had that, but just being in India, you don't feel like you have your own space and your own thinking? Not so much that. It's okay. more along the lines of just being around the same people all day, every day. Mm. really hinders your ability to think about them in an objective way. Mm. Like if I'm around the same five people day in, day out, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Yeah, no matter how wonderful they no are. No matter how wonderful they may be. Right. At a certain point, that influences the way I see them and mm. I can't anymore be objective about them. Mm. I'm like, okay, this is just a part of my life. Yeah. Even if these people are coming into my house without my permission, waking me up, insulting me, taking my things and leaving, if that's just something that happens every day, it's a part of reality. Yeah. But I pulled back, I pulled away from that and mm. realized it probably shouldn't be a part of reality because mm. I was scared of being alone. Mm. I was really scared of being alone when the social drama started happening. Mm. But then it it sucked for a couple of days and then I realized alone is pretty much exactly what I needed at mm. this time of my life. You're fine with it and yeah. it's better yeah. than the social drama. I would not be releasing music every month if I did not get that time alone. Which is a big thing to me. Of course. Yeah. Flooding with a fish. How's it going? Where do you think that comes from? That agility? 
don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I'm still trying to figure that out about some people in my life. Because... Like, does that come to you from somebody that you know? I've dealt with a lot of people that have gone down some pretty bad paths mm. and tried my best to help them out mm. and not always been very successful. Mm. Sometimes me trying to help them has ended up hurting me instead. Mm. And I want to make sure that I don't go down those paths because I don't want to hurt people that I love either. Mm. I don't want to hurt myself. Mm. Like even if I do something again, like I said before, I should have the ability to do anything I want to as long as it doesn't mentally, physically or emotionally hurt anyone and if it hurts anyone at all it better be me and no one else and even in that case i'm not looking for that pain yeah it's just that if i can justify some pain that i might go through mm. for a greater good that's awesome hmm. but if i if i'm gonna go into doing something knowing it's gonna hurt everyone around me and it's not gonna be good for me it's not worth doing mm. even if it seems fun in the moment mm. even if it seems great to drive at 200 kilometers per hour in a 40 kilometer per hour road you're gonna hit something and it's not gonna be as fun anymore no. is it true that um like a piece of reflective art music a theater or films or anything comes from a deeper sense of pain so is that true for you it it has been mm. with things like my solo project mm. a lot of the stuff that i'm really proud of mm. usually comes from a place of pain or discomfort the fabric yeah. of existence came from a place of me doubting who i was and me trying to rethink my entire personality mm. right before i left my country at the time i thought i was moving away i did not know i would be coming back mm. so for me it was dealing with change without even understanding what i'm changing from that was pain that was discomfort that made some damn good heart in my opinion mm. elysium dealt with dealing with guilt and judgment dealing with sins and worries and at the end of it being rewarded with a bittersweet ending mm. so you're in hell but you're in the garden of elysium you committed billions of sins but you were on the side of the gods mm. what are you right mm. so things like that that comes from a place of discomfort that comes from a place of pain mm. song i'm working on right now comes from the social drama that i was talking about i think that's pretty cool mm. but then there's also a lot of stuff that has nothing to do with the pain mm. that is pretty good too mm. so i'd like to say that the pain does end up making good art mm. but good art is not dependent on the pain and pain can also make bad art i've made bad art out of pain in the past mm. bad again subjectively sure. but in my opinion i've made much better art while going through discomfort mm. than without <laughs> and is that a relationship that you draw that if you're in discomfort does you making that art heal you yeah absolutely doesn't well doesn't heal me mm -hmm. it treats me treats so i'll be going through something and i'll write down what i'm thinking in the form of a song because i can't put words to it and then i'll put words to the song because that's easier for me mm. and that helps me 
it helps me a lot mm. it helps me at least be more clear about what i'm thinking about a certain thing which then helps me heal on here i mean imagine how non artistic people deal with discomfort and pain therapy <laughs> <laughs> therapy is the only way and there's way less people in it than there should be hmm. who inspires you for your music everyone i listen to i would say mm-hmm. pretty much i try my best to not limit myself to certain inspirations mm. there's lots of influences i'd say some really major influences in my music say with things like odd time signatures and polymeters and polyrhythms I take lots of inspiration from the band Tool, mm. but then again, Tool is far from the only only artist doing those things. Yeah. Uh, for things like production, I take lots of inspiration from the hip hop and electronic music world. Mm-hmm. Things like composition, I take a lot of inspiration again from progressive metal, classic rock, things like that. So things like stuff that is pretty far from what i make mm-hmm. everything i take influences from is very different from what i make so that i do not end up making something someone else has already made making so if i if i want inspirations in a hip hop track i'd listen to metal artists but why um why is it important to sound different from what something has already been created it's kind of the hunt for uniqueness mm. i would say mm. i feel like if especially after the realization earlier that a lot of my music sound like other people i don't want to have to go through that phase again mm. where i'm doubting myself i know that this is what i want to do mm. i know that this is what i want to create and i know the way i want to create it mm. and i don't see the value in having me on the scene if i'm just doing stuff that people have already done Mm. So uniqueness kind of gives me a USP identity. Identity, right? So if someone experts in once why reason to listen to me, mm. they can find that in my music. Like mm. to listen to me particularly. Mm. So I draw as just focus on myself in the way that suits me best. I wake up every morning between 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. Mm. I feel like that's a comfortable window for waking up. Mm. So I go for it. Mm. I take a shower, then I get out of the shower, I practice the piano. Then I sit I have lunch, I practice the guitar, then I take some rest f- from 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. Mm. I'm doing whatever I want to do. Sometimes that's just chilling, sometimes that's working on a song I just wrote. Mm. And then for the rest of the day, if I don't have any other tasks lined up, I can just do more creative stuff in whatever I want to do. for the month's calendar as i told you earlier in the conversation first friday of every month there is a song being released second f- thank you second friday of every month there is a youtube video coming out and then furthermore from there on there's multiple reels coming out on instagram every week perfect so that's yeah. like that's got your hands full for the rest of the year yeah, for sure yeah so i don't have time to think about stuff that other people are thinking about hmm. This podcast is sponsored by Match My Talent. Yeah, I just have to do it respectfully, yeah. but but easier said than done for mm-hmm. most human beings. 
it, when it comes to a point of view, it is very, very strong and personal. And yeah. It's got a lot of baggage coming from. It's a kill him with kindness type of approach <laughs> to a level as well. I've dealt with a lot of people recently that were, to put it very, very nicely, extremely, exceptionally rude. <laughs> and my way to go about it was to just switch from that high level conversation <laughs> to like a professional I, I wonder what a high-level conversation with Moksha would look like. A high-level <laughs> conversation with Moksha is like, "Bye, I say, not do that." That's you. That's me. Huh. Guys, guys, doing something that's clearly irresponsible and bad for him, and he's like, "Oh, let's go drink and drive." I'm like, "I say, not do that, bro." <laughs> and then, that's your max. That's that. That's not my max. Sure, that's. <laughs> There's a lot of things that a lot of people What's have said. What's your max? Sometimes <laughs> I am just. Sometimes I get to be an asshole to people that are being an asshole to me. <laughs> sure. uh, pardon my language. Yeah. But if there's a guy coming up to me like, "Tu ye wo hai, tu ye wo hai," I'm like, "Sure, same to you. Screw you. <laughs> Don't come here, say that shit to me." But now I've reached a point where if that happens, I'm like, "Cool." See, if like, you think I'm, if you think I'm that, sheesh, kind of hurts. How do you think I can improve? And then the guy's like, "Aise kwan bolta I genuinely want to know. You have a problem with this part of who I am? Tell me how to get better. If you can't tell me how to get better, don't bring me this problem. I'm looking at solutions right You've now. You've been around a lot of guys, huh? Way too much. Huh? Way too much. Most of these stories are about one guy, and if you're watching this podcast, I'm sorry. <laughs> But <laughs> yeah, he probably won't watch. So let's <laughs> let's let that be. Oh my god! I mean, this one guy being one person, one person. But I'm also grateful. I'm sure. also really yeah. grateful because it's helped me realize it doesn't matter if someone's been your best friend of thirteen years mm. if they're not working for you. If like not. As in, you're employing them. Yeah. If they're not, if their lifestyle doesn't fit with your lifestyle, yeah. and you feel like doesn't help you in growing. Exactly. If they're holding you back, yeah, you need to confront that. And if you confront that, and they refuse to change that side of them, you got to pull apart a little bit. Absolutely fair. It it's actually good for everybody. What's the nastiest thing you have done to yeah, anybody? To anyone. Mm. If uh-huh. it's all right to share, it is all right to share. There's been some pretty bad stuff in the past. So before I got to music full time, mm. I remember I was talking about that YouTube channel of mine. Yeah, it used to be called Rooftop Gaming, and it was some very toxic content. Mm. So I used to have this series on there called Roast Wars, which of course, of course, twelve, thirteen year old Moksh was roasting people around him. <laughs> I wanted to fit in. I felt like the best way for me to fit in was mm. to just be really rude to people because that I saw people fitting in by being rude to me. Mm. Sure, didn't help. <laughs> Did not Wasn't help. Wasn't you? Yeah. I was. I was just really mean to them, and later on, they were really mean to me, and then I was even meaner to them, and then they were even meaner to me. And after a point, I was just like, "Why am I focusing on this? Uh, Why am I dedicating so much time?" To writing a song about how this guy means nothing to anyone, when I could be writing a song about something that means something to me. To me. And to that was the day I killed that channel. Twenty eighteen. Never posted another video on that after, and switched full time to music after that. Glad that it was a short term. Yeah, yeah. It was pretty toxic, but I've made some people 
feel some pretty negative things about themselves to the point where I've dealt people deleting their channels because I made a video about them. People feeling like they couldn't see me as an equal at school. People feeling like I would exploit their trust and that just did not feel like it was worth it. And it did lead to people exploiting my trust. So I do realize where it could have gone if I kept going. Hey, how's it going guys? My name is Moksha Dhawan and you're watching Flirting with a Fish. As you've probably gathered by now, I'm releasing new music every month of this year. To stay posted with the journey, follow me on Instagram at mokshadawan underscore and find my music on all major stores and streaming services by searching for Mokshadawan. That's Mokshadawan on Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, Amazon Music and countless more. Thank you all so much for your support. It means the world to me. Alright, let's get back to the podcast now. So you're in Delhi, mm-hmm. which is not really the music capital of the country. Yeah. So what's the music scene of Delhi that helps you or it doesn't? It doesn't exist for you or it does? So Delhi right now has quite a lot of independent artists on the rise. Right. De- Delhi is one of those places in India where it may not be the capital mm. in the music scene, mm-hmm. but it's definitely a major player. Mm. So international artists that come to India will usually play in Mumbai and in Delhi, mm. sometimes in Bangalore. Right. Most of the time it's Mumbai, Delhi, Bangalore, all yeah. three. Yeah. And a lot of artists from Delhi mm-hmm. are now also reaching the international scale. So in Delhi, I have the opportunity to work with people that I wouldn't normally. For example, let's say if I was in Mumbai and I'm doing commercial work, I'm working day in, day out on making music for films, on making music for ads, all of a sudden, I don't know that one kid in Delhi that just went on his first open mic three days ago and I really liked his voice. Mm-hmm. So I want, I want to see if I can make something with him. Mm-hmm. Sure, there's alternatives to that. There's different people in different cities. Yeah. But I feel like Delhi's that currently undertapped market in India because mm. Mumbai super saturated Bangalore super saturated you come to Delhi people are like oh the music scene in Delhi is there's so many great musicians but no one's doing anything mm. and the way I like to see that is well when they start doing something about it I want to be there for the beginning mm. and even though it's not just the beginning there's yeah. lots of artists from Delhi that have gone well, lots of places yeah. But there's so much more to come from this city. It's a very, very promising scene. Mm. If you go to places like Piano Man Mm. in Saftarjang and in Gurgaon, or places like Summer House, there's new artists playing there every single week. And that's something that is pretty valuable, I'd say, about Delhi. And they're all different. And they're all different, yeah. And the audience is coming for that. Yeah, they're coming so, for those different... For those, for those artists, not really just for the food. Or, so, or like, Mumbai has a sound. Mm. Bangalore has a sound. Mm. Delhi is the amalgamation of every Indian sound. Mm. So, it kind of has that capital quality. And Delhi has been a lot more about Indian classical, you know, historically, for the last several years. But now, I think you're right with these new initiatives, it's also seeing the new music, the experimental music, the independent musicians coming in. Like there's there's promoters like Skillbox Mm. that are at the forefront of independent music in Delhi right now. And they've got they've got subsidiaries throughout India, mm. but it's, I've been seeing them doing a lot of stuff with new artists in Delhi since 2019, mm. and then the pandemic happened. 
but it's slowly but surely been They're on the rise. Up. Yeah. And I think they made a good mark even in that <clears> one year before that pandemic. I think Skillbox I think did quite a few things very right right in them because they stayed. I mean even yeah. through the pandemic that none of us could go there but but it stayed on the mind. You didn't really really forget it, which is just so easy to do that in today's time. So yeah, so it's promising. It's you promising. Say. It's definitely not the biggest market is mm. definitely not something that's going to be the most lucrative for me mm. but delhi is what i see as home and i feel like i would want to be part of something big that could take place here this podcast is sponsored by match my talent what would you say to an artist who is more back and beyond more in tier 2 Not not really Delhi, Bombay, Bangalore. No, no, mm-hmm. no. But it's got equal amount of passion and commitment to their music, but nowhere close to a network or an ecosystem. You know, what would you say to them about their own pro- growth? The best thing about the music industry in the last twenty, thirty years is the massive democratization of everything in the process and the massive decentralization of everything in the process. Twenty, thirty years ago, you would have to go to a major label studio to release an album. Today, I can do that from my laptop. I'd say that's pretty powerful. A, a random quiet kid sitting in a small town or a small village that has one laptop that may be ten years old still has. enough power to make the music that'll get them to the level of network that they want to get to if there's where there's a will there's a way right and that is ne- that's never been more true than it is today with music there's a lot of reasons not to do something you don't want to do but the only reason that you need to do it is that you need to do it to get where you want to be so yeah if you want to do something you'll find a way